Yes. Welcome to Up In Your Business with Carrie McCoy, a production of FlagAndBanner.com. Through storytelling and conversational interviews, this weekly radio show and podcast offers listeners an insider's view into the commonalities of successful people and the ups and downs of risk-taking. And now it's time for Carrie McCoy to get all up in your business. Thank you, Son Gray. Before I introduce today's guest, I want to let you know if you miss any part of it, want to hear it again or share it, there's a way, and Son Gray will tell you how. All UIYB past and present interviews are available at Up In Your Business with Carrie McCoy's YouTube channel, Facebook page, the Arkansas Democrat Gazette's digital version, flagandbanner.com's website, or wherever you listen to podcasts. Just ask your smart speaker to play Up In Your Business with Carrie McCoy. And by subscribing to our YouTube channel or flagandbanner.com's email list, you will receive prior notification of that day's guest. Back to you, Carrie. Thank you again. My guest today is Mr. Cole Rogers, founder of the School of Man. What a great name for a 12-week mental and physical toughness planner that claims to build leaders, strengthen family ties, and help you win mentally, physically, and financially. They even tout it will improve your sex life. This all sounds like a love language and lesson for men folk who often find no place in our civilized world for their warrior spirit. Through Cole's own experiences of admiring wrongly stoic masculine and often confusing male role models, substance abuse, skewed career goals, and too many one-night stands, Cole hit bottom, so to speak. This is when Cole went soul-searching and through hard work discovered what was really missing in his life and what it really means to be a man. Thrilled with his newfound knowledge and self-awareness, he founded the School of Man, a man's guide to living, loving, and legacy. I love the alliteration. And he has authored a book on the subject. He admits his techniques are simple, but it is the willingness to start and the execution that is hard. This is where School of Man comes in to support, motivate, and hold you accountable, not just physically, but emotionally too. It is my pleasure to welcome to the table the 21st century warrior, educator, author, and family man, Mr. Cole Rogers. Wow. Did I read your book right? Spot on. I know. And let me tell you, there are You've so... You've done this once or twice. <laughs> Almost 300 times. <laughs> Almost you were 300 resident. times. So, uh, I... There were so many quotes. Let me show you what I did in your book. There were so many fun quotes in this book that I just went kind of cuckoo with dog-earing it, yellow highlighters, pens. Uh, So I'm going to just start the show off with an excerpt from the book on page 39 at the end of chapter 6. I'm just going to read it. I know I read the intro and y'all are like, Carrie, quit reading. But (laughs) but I'm going to read this just to get it started. This is Cole's words that he wrote. On page 39 at the end of chapter 6. I wanted to find a way to tell men that if they want to be better in their lives, they have to choose it. They have to ask for the ball. They have to seek out the hard and embrace the struggle. They have to understand that everything is a test and that these tests are not open book. They can choose comfort for their lives, but but it will make them soft and eager for a shortcut which will eventually cause them to dig out masks out of the closets. In the end, I want to assure men that if they can truly man up and choose themselves, their being, their business, their body, their family, then they'll be able to design their own lives rather than having someone else or something else design it for them. The way I've found to tell as many men as possible and have them not only hear what I'm saying, but also embrace what I'm saying is through the school of man. There it is right there in a nutshell. So the book's written in three parts. Part one's your history. Mm-hmm. Part two, starting the school of man. And part three is life, love and legacy. So let's start with part one. You are open about your weaknesses and claim owning your weaknesses and working on them is a strength. Though often the opposite is thought to be true. Mm-hmm. 
tell us your story and how that revelation came to be. So, you know, the, the common narrative is find your strength, right? There's a great book out there called Strength Finders and go all in on your strengths. And I do believe in that mentality, that strategy. However, when you're an alpha like me and when you're on the unhealthy side, because all of us as men who are looking to achieve, to accomplish, to leave the world a better place, to make memories with our family, we're searching for one thing. It's a very common thing. It's something that blood has been shed over for thousands and thousands of years. It's freedom, right? So it's freedom and liberation. And it was funny that a couple of weeks ago we held a, an event here. Men and their families came in from across the country, and it's called Rebirth. It's Rebirth 2.0. One of the men that were there was there. He was incarcerated for nine years in prison, right? And the room is full. I mean, 100-plus men, et cetera, and it's a very intimidating environment. And you could tell that he was, he was trying to pull himself away and or he was struggling to come to grips with, like, how do I measure up? Because that's what we've been taught. We've been taught as men to measure ourselves on three things since we were kids. Athletics, the woman we chase, and power, a.k.a. money. And if you can check all three boxes – Society tells you you're, you're doing really good things as a man. But the facts are, and I'm going back to this story with Cody, that after we got finished in the first morning and he felt somewhat intimidated, I told him flat out, I said, we've got over 100 men here that have imprisoned themselves. They don't have to be behind bars. They don't have to be behind a wall. They walk around hiding in plain sight. I've been that man. I mean, slavery, although has been abo- abolished, quote unquote abolished, is still around. We do it to ourselves, men, women, children, all of us, because that's what society wants. And that's what we buy into through limiting beliefs, self-sabotage, right? Self-doubt, et cetera, whatever you want to call it. And that's what I told Cody. I said, men in here are seeking for one thing like we're all seeking since the beginning of time. And that's freedom and liberation. The only way you get there, though, is truly owning your flaws and, uh, and understanding that you're a perfectly flawed man and that everything that has been given to you in life has happened for you and not to you. And that's the truth. And it takes a lot of pain distilled into purpose, which equates to your promise to the world to get to that place to say that because going back to the three benchmarks and like I was talking to Cody and to the group and it resonated with everybody, of course, is that that is a constant evolution throughout life. You don't just come to this realization that, boom, I'm liberated and I'm perfectly flawed, so the world's going to, to give me what I'm asking for it. No, you have to actually put, put what you have earned, and I call it paying the tuition, all the scars, all the people that you've hurt, right? Uh, the person that you've lied to in the mirror for your entire life and, and, and fed yourself uh, this these lies and called it caviar you have to eventually convert that and, and distill it into yes this stuff has happened for me not to me how can i best use it as being an instrument of impact instead of wearing a mask on top of a mask on top of a mask and in particular in the world that i operate in as being an entrepreneur three businesses in production and sales creating moving society forward that's what the greats have always done you're expected to always perform at a certain level and and that's really where my story was was unfolding is that i'm blessed in the sense that i've gotten to be in a family with my mother and father who are married to this day and are in love to this day it's one thing to love someone it's another thing to fall in love with someone over and over and over again and that's the truth And as a kid, when I was born, I almost died due to meningitis. So I was born a fighter because as men, that's what we were all created to be as a fighter at the end of the day in the most positive ways. And I'm not talking about going downrange or in war, but, you know, you you dig your boots in and you create a stand and you, you will never fall for anything once you stand for something. But throughout my life, I've been fortunate to be around a family that what a marriage looks like. I've been fortunate enough to also see how you are to operate the value systems, the, the character that you build. But over time, because we are told how to be, how to act, what to do, institutions do a great job of it. And today's 
I would say messaging really does a great job of telling you how you should be and how you should act and do this, don't do that, so on and so forth. You start buying into it and you start buying into the narrative of what your little circle looks like because it's called, you know, it's the law of the mirror. Your network equals your net worth. And all of a sudden, as a young man, you start developing these insecurities over time. Maybe it is that you're not as athletic as somebody or maybe it is that you're just constantly in comparison mode because we're good at that. And when you first start out, you're dealing with uncertainties as a young man 100%. because you've got all these, what did you call them, uh, uh, expectations put on you yes. by society. So you're getting out of college and you're about to go think, thinking, I got to get a, let me see. First of all, I think I remember you had your heart broken in college. I did. That was the first time I ever, ever experienced that. And that also because of the energy that God has given me, mm-hmm. I can use it for good or I can use it for bad. But at that same time in college, I picked up Adderall, and it was one of those things. Adderall was just making its way, and I dr- I've drank more whiskey than I can remember. As a senior in high school, I wasn't known as the captain of the basketball team or the baseball team. I was known as the guy that had seven kegs. But you were also those other two things? Yes. Oh, so but that's what you're known for. Okay. Yeah. You know, it was one of those things that. I knew myself and my buddies were known as, hey, those are the guys that could throw the best parties. And that's what I wanted to be known for, honestly. So how old were you when you started on Adderall? I was 18, 19. Mm -hmm. And then that turned into just like, you know, I'm 38 years young. My generation turned that into a party drug, Mm -hmm. right? It it was used to, to cram for test. And at that same time, it was used for us to stay up until five in the morning and go to the cowboy and everything else and, and run the gamut Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday. Yeah. You know, and that, and then as I graduated, I did bring up my GPA. It felt good. And I had someone that was a mentor in college that said, look, it's not about your, your grades. It's about the process. It's about achieving something that you think's impossible and i did at that time that's how limited my thinking was and how small my thinking was but I always wanted to do something great and the first book i ever read was 12 pillars can't even remember the lady's name that laid it on my desk and it's by jen Marone. and it changed my my perspective on everything and, and going back to expectations the quickest way to disappointment is through setting an unrealistic expectation for yourself or someone else for that matter and as i graduated i mean adderall was was basically like a skittle you went from eating it you went from to crushing it to snorting it etc so i knew i had to get out of central arkansas so i took a job in nashville tennessee but i brought all these habits with me in particular all the insecurities in particular just this false sense of identity but that's what we've been taught to do right like that's but you were successful there right very successful yes what were you doing there so I started off in sales. I was working for an affiliate for an insurance carrier, one of the most brand name insurance carriers out there. And my first starting job, I, my salary was $18,000. And every time I would look myself in the mirror, it's like over here professionally, I was moving the needle. Like, mm-hmm. and I would come back to central Arkansas and I would make a point to buy everybody's drinks mm-hmm. at Gasano's. Yeah. Right. Just because I wanted to feel like the man. Mm-hmm. Right. Even if I couldn't afford it at the time, but I wanted their approvals like oh cole's doing some great things but fast forward i knew i had to get out of nashville and that's when i moved to raleigh durham north carolina where i met my wife bringing all i was like i've got to leave all this stuff behind you knew you'd gone too far yeah and i and i had achieved what i wanted to achieve in a short amount of time at that time in my life in, in in sales and becoming the number one sales guy in the organization and the rookie of the year, all those things were important to me and achievement was my motivation was my fuel for life. Like the more I achieved, I think that the more I would be happy. Right. And that's where kind of things started unfolding for me. And I met Ashley at that time, I was 26, 27 and I met her on eHarmony and this is how insecure I was. I would tell everybody I met her at Harris Teeter, the grocery store. And people were like, that really works? Because I didn't want to tell them I met her on a dating <laughs> website because I tell my buddies, like, oh, he can't pick up, you know, he can't pick up a girl. Now it's opposite. Yeah. If you don't meet somebody on the internet, it's like, what? You can yeah. still do that? Exactly. <laughs> 100%. Yeah. But, and I was working 70, 80 hours a week, hated what I was doing, and I knew that was the time to get out. And I said, always told myself when I'm not happy, it's time to make a change. Did you meet her before you left 
Tennessee? No, That's I why met, you went to North Carolina? No, no, no. I met her in North Carolina. Oh, okay. Yep. I met her in North Carolina, and at that time, she didn't know any of this. So, and as a man who's in that specific position, the number one thing I started going back to was lying to her. Mm-hmm. It was the easiest way to do it. It's like, just push the dirt under the rug. There's something about lying and addicts that go together, even when you don't need to. Yeah, and... and it was it was little white lies that started. That's how it always starts. Little mm-hmm. micro fractures, right? And I had kicked those bad habits, put them at bay, but I could drink like a fish. You know, if you're going to run with the boys at night, you better wake up with the men in the morning. And that's just, that's what was beat into me. And that's what I enjoyed doing at the time. And Did you just see why I loved his book? He has the best mm-hmm. cliches. If you're going to run with the boys at night, you better wake up with the men in the morning. I have never heard that. You make that up. <laughs> No, my mentors have always said that. Like, you be, if you're gonna if you're gonna if you're gonna hang out with the owls at night, you better be up here soaring with the eagles in the morning. Is the yeah, other way? Yeah, yeah, so that's the way his whole book is. Yeah, yeah so like, <laughs> you know, I ended up leaving that career and coming over back to Little Rock, starting my business. I've always been in the insurance game. Been got into the consulting part of the world, so that's my core business. Love it, love it so much, but. Ashley and I did long distance for close to to a year. And that's where, you know, I knew. So I, I ended up taking a job half, you know, basically making half of what I was making. And I was, we didn't have any children at the time. So it was a strategic move on my part, knowing I was going to 20X whatever I was going to do. Like, I'm not a quitter. I'm, you're, you're you can't beat me at the end of the day. Only I can do that. <clears throat> but when she came over, I had blown my Achilles out and six months later, like I'm in the hospital for five days for staph infection. Yeah. We get married the next year. Time's running out. Money's running out. And the first night or a rehearsal dinner back on Adderall back on that, that train, because all I could think about was performance, performance, performance. How can I get more focus? How can I get more edge? How can I, how can I accelerate my growth? You know, how can I accelerate it? Like time is not moving fast enough, or, or the results are not coming fast enough for me. Like I was never one of those that I wanted to, uh, you know, it, the prescription pill game was really, really big with my generation in school. Mm-hmm. Like that's really where it started with the hydros and the Percocets. And the, I, I never was into that. And I would like come and go, come and go when it when it came to Adderall and when it came to drinking, et cetera. But I always wanted an edge. Like, that's just it. I wanted an edge. That's what I sought out. And we all have a dark side. You just have to understand how best to use that energy in the right areas. I don't care who it is. Everybody has a dark side that wants to come out and play. Mm-hmm. And I've learned that about everybody that's successful, too. You just know how best to use it in the right areas. But rehearsal dinner... You said in your book, you said, uh, you talked about your wedding day, that it was blissful, but you also called yourself, and I'm quoting what you called yourself in the book, mm-hmm. a self-centered egomaniac, a narcissist who was struggling more than she, Ashley, could have known. 100%. Yeah. If she was, if she's in the car, if she came up here, and she'd be like, yeah, 100%. She said you didn't know how to mar- be married. No, and I mean, being a father, being married, none of that comes with a manual. You know, at the time, like it, it rehearsed. I mean, just to that point, we go out and party till midnight, one o'clock in the morning. I mm-hmm. knock on her door. I go to see her. I literally sit on the bed and I was so drunk that I hit the bed and hit the floor. This is the night before you got married? <laughs> yeah. And then she was, of course, crying. <laughs> and then the sure. next day, the only way I could make it through it was drinking more and taking Adderall. Oh, boy. What a great honeymoon night, I bet. It gets even a little bit deeper than that. And then, it, you know, then we go to Costa Rica. And they, you sure you want to tell? Well, no, I mean, this is all public knowledge. Like, oh. this is a part of my process and the part of the story. And, of course, Ashley, we've told it more than once. I mean, perfectly flawed husband, 27 years old. And things didn't things didn't go in my favor. Let's just put it to you that way. You called the first three or four years of marriage the messy middle. It was, uh, yeah, that, that, that week did not go my way and you can read into that. And I left her in the room in the shower and went to the bar and got blitzed. 
So all I knew that I needed to do at that time is that I just got to go make money. Like I got to go produce. I got this new business. I got to go produce. Well, guess what? A month later, we're like, we don't know if we need to be together. We don't know if this is going to work. Well, guess who she was pregnant with? Oh, (laughs) sweetheart over there. That's right. And nine months later, sweetheart over there flatlined on the table. (gasps) Mommy had to be rushed back into the OR because the umbilical cord made its way out before she did and was kinked like a water hose. Oh. So she was born a fighter as well. And I remember being outside the OR just bawling my eyes out. Because I didn't have control, and guys like me love control. It's also an insecurity of ours. Mm -hmm. And so the only thing I could think of at that time was like, okay, well, I've got $12,000 now in healthcare debt because I had an out-of-pocket expense, just a large health, high-deductible health plan. I've got to go make money, and this is almost two years in, and, the, I mean, things are dry. And when you're financially stressed, which 80% of Americans, I mean, goodness gracious, live paycheck to paycheck. Yeah. And when you're in that level, that's all I just could dive in because I have such an obsessive mindset. So you say, you say Ashley helped you find it, that your first three or four years was the messy middle and that she helped you figure out who you are. So what advice do you, can you give to someone who doesn't have a companion who's feeding themselves BS and calling it caviar? How oh. do they ever get started? How do they get started on just their path of rediscovery yeah. and rebirth? I mean, cause you, you, yeah, you credit a her a lot. I do. And Honestly, I was, even though married at the time, I was hiding in plain sight. So even though I was married, I credit her with staying with me. She pretty much, I was divorced three times and married three times to the same woman. (laughs) Right. Right. But if you are out there, what you feel like you're alone on the path, number one, you're never alone. But number, number two or one a is every time you look yourself in the mirror, Man, woman, I don't care who it is, right? And you feel like you have a need to be reborn in whatever area it is in your life. At that point, it takes one thing, and it's just straight-up commitment. Straight-up commitment and making the decision. So many of us get stuck where we are. Making the decision to move all the BS to the side and then just raising your hand. I mean, we live in a world where there's so much resources available to anybody i mean hence why i created psalm in the first place but until you raise your hand because we experience this with men all the time in psalm whether they're a ceo or bagging groceries or on the oil rig it doesn't matter the minute you truly raise your hand and you commit saying hey take me through the fire like i don't want to go through this but i know i have to go through this that's when i know someone's ready Mm -hmm. but it takes commitment to thyself because you just get tired of being tired just raise your hand. You're just, right. Just raise your hand and then take the hard step, but do it with someone who has been in your shoes, who is willing to go to battle into the trenches with you. So that's just my thought. All right. Great place to take a break. When we come back, we'll continue our conversation with Mr. Cole Rogers, author and founder of the aptly named School of Man in Little Rock, Arkansas. We'll be right back. You're listening to Up In Your Business with Carrie McCoy, a production of FlagAndBanner.com. Over 40 years ago, with only $400, Carrie founded Arkansas Flag and Banner. During the last four decades, the business has grown and changed, along with Carrie's experience and leadership knowledge. In 2020, Carrie McCoy Enterprises acquired OurCornerMarket.com, an online company specializing in American-made plaques, signage, and memorials for over 20 years and more recently opened a satellite office in Miami, Florida. Telling American-made stories, selling American-made flags. TheFlagAndBanner.com. Back to you, Carrie. You're listening to Up In Your Business with me, Carrie McCoy. I'm speaking today with Mr. Cole Rogers, author and founder of the School of Man in Little Rock, Arkansas, and online, a mentoring program for men who are looking for and trying to define what is missing in their life. In part two of your book, if you, before the break, if you're just coming in, we talked with Cole about his path, how he ended up here, his self-destructive uh, warrior mentality when he was young, of the goal, uh, the expectations he put on himself, and how he met his wife, and he broke through that. And it's a good story. It's kind of a AA program a little bit. Oh yeah. Which I think a lot of the the um, rules that you put in your book 
are you say in your book these are not new ideas it's just all about the com- and it's just the commitment to doing yeah. them and the group mentality which is a lot like AA, but you don't have to be an alcoholic. You to go into AA, you have to be an alcoholic. But to begin in school, you have to want. You have to have a desire to quit drinking. Well, that is the number one thing to be in an AA. You have to have yep. a desire to quit drinking. But to be in the school of man, you don't have to have that desire. You just have to have the desire to be a better man. That's it. That's it. Yeah, so, and you've got to meet a man where he is in his life. Like, yes, and it could be that it could. And we have different levels of of psalm. And we have our 1% man program, which is for our married businessmen that are looking to scale their business in 10x ways, but looking to have it all and do it the right way, right? To where you might have a man that has to completely reboot everything, right? So that's the power of Psalm is that we are meeting men where they are in their lives. And the whole, the key is, do you want to be a better man? by focusing on the things that matter most the answer is yes and you've come to the right place because we've got we've got that deep bench of men who are going to coach who are going to guide you who are going to make you level up just simply because of who they are and the caliber of type of men that they are they don't just talk about it they are about it so you know we have every and that's what i love is that you've got in some it's not just one typecast yeah You've got every make and model and creed out there in Psalm. Okay, so do you have gay guys in there? We don't. Not yet. And that's something that, I mean, we, you know, with Psalm, because we're such a, when, from an outside looking in, it's funny how we, it's funny how. Would a gay guy feel comfortable there? 100%. Yeah. This, This is an interesting point. My husband received a postcard for the School of Man about three days before you were supposed to, we, we confirmed your, your interview here. And I thought the same thing. The novel thing that I think about, um, school of man that probably attracts a lot of, or that makes it work for straight men huh. is that gay men kind of have the community and the support system because we make it for ourselves. That makes sense. I find that straight men don't do that for themselves. Yeah. That makes you know, sense. In the I same didn't way even that, think about that. You know, well, and, and again, it's all society, sure. you know, expectations, whatever and that there's always exceptions to the rule but you know where where where's the straight man's you know yoga and wine like women have or paint and paint <laughs> sit and sip and paint and sip or whatever or the the or and what I don't you think, know and i don't think gay men are as afraid to talk about their feelings P- possibly but i think that's a good i didn't even think about that to be well, honest but, with you, you know the, uh, to me school of man is a really positive outlet experience that I think straight men just aren't allowed to have or suppose, you know, well, we, and a we, lot of times too, is that we as men, as straight men in particular on the, the alpha side, <clears throat> we will find ourselves becoming more and more lonely as we go through life. Mm-hmm. Psalm is a very family driven organization. So our wives are extremely important daughters, sons, etc. It's not just, a group of ragtag individuals and it's that where no one's allowed in or able to see behind the, the doors or the curtain per se. Does that make, does yeah. that make sense? Have you always been a gym rat? Not necessarily. Did I you mean, have the gym, uh, the, the CrossFit gym before you had some? I did. So that, that was a part of the story is that once I started getting things together and I started breaking down walls and going to therapy and, and I just got tired of being tired. Right. But I got also tired of disappointing Ashley. Well, you said uh, that you read, uh, you, you, have a, you had a chapter called What If, and you talk about reading Mark Devine's book called The Elite Warrior to Lead and Succeed, and that it had a big impact on you. It is. So Tell I was, us about that. I took what I read, and I applied it immediately. And I started meditating, even though as weird as that felt, coming from a country boy in Arkansas, like meditation, really? You know, you start developing these worldviews that are completely false, 100%, because that's what you've been raised around. And... <clears throat> And so I started meditating. I started journaling. Because he told, because Mark Devine's book told you. Yeah, and I said, well, you know what? If a SEAL's doing this, or if. Because he's a Navy SEAL? Yeah. Yeah. So if a SEAL is doing this, he's a commander in the SEAL teams. If he's doing this, then by God, I'm going to give it a shot. You know, so that's kind of how my mentality was working. It's like, okay, I need approval or I need to see somebody else that who I consider elite. You know, that's just where I was doing it to give me permission to do it myself. 
right? Because I was, again, dealing with the addiction to validation, so on and so forth, even though things were going really well, well in my businesses, career, et cetera, money was, was flowing in. You know, I was hitting what we all think about the benchmarks. So that's where I started. And really what catapulted me to do that is that I had an intern, young man who's still on my team. He's like a little brother to me. I ripped him to shreds. What does that mean? Yelled at him? Basically. Yeah. So it was from a mentor coach perspective. He didn't do something that I liked. And this was in your CrossFit gym? No, this was in my business. And this is where I'm getting to on the CrossFit side of things. So I ended up, long story short, as I go through this process, and I connect with the some guys on the West Coast from the SEAL teams. I started unlocking different chambers in my mind. I came back to Little Rock, bought but, a CrossFit gym. But to unlock those. So you didn't have the CrossFit gym Mm-mm. yet. So is it called, uh, what's it called, Hell Week? Yeah. So Mark Devine has a Hell Week that he, he does. puts on? He does. It's to get Bud's candidates ready. Uh, and you just say, well, I'm just going to go. I read his book. I'm, I'm journaling. I'm meditating. And now I'm going to sign up for this hell week. It's going to be Navy SEAL stuff for civilians. It's 100% pretty much identical to hell week. Yeah, what they're basically doing is they're taking buds candidates and they're taking crazy guys like me. And they're inserting them into a simulation 100% so that the success rate in hell week when they're when they go in is increased don't people die doing that well and that's where i'm going with it so my oh. swim buddy died at my feet at, at hell week mm-hmm. so kirk died at my feet and that's when i had the crossfit gym and ashley and i again i still i, I have kicked everything i've i've kicked everything minus the lying to her i was putting so much cash into the gym because it couldn't even float payroll and the reason why i bought the gym wasn't to get in crossfit i wasn't even in crossfit at that time, it was to give me a platform to mentor men like me, mentor C-level guys, mentor businessmen through fitness. And that's how I would get into the mental, the emotional, and the spiritual work with them. And so I go to Hell Week. Kirk and I are hooked at the hip. When you're a swim buddy, basically you're partnered up based upon height line, so how tall you are. Well, he and I were considered Smurfs because we're short. <laughs> and the entire time we were hooked at the hip you go to the bathroom he's right there with you uh you're in the the surf middle of the night you're hooked arm to arm uh you're hugging each other i mean you're doing anything you can to help your teammate succeed and it was that fateful night when we were headed up a mountain middle of the night i had to give him away to the other team and it just broke my heart he comes down the mountain had seizures defecated himself comes to i get him i clean him up along with my teammates and then the last day we're there we're one of nine out of 50 to secure this oh left in it that are still going Mm -hmm. they're still going and your your teammate who had such a bad night the night before still in there still going and then at the the very end when they secure us he falls right out right at my feet heart gives out so that's where the whole dynamic in my life change it's funny how god puts certain people in your life ashley was there we're better than we've ever been so i thought it's really easy to mistake movement with progress so i thought and she comes running up of course they're holding everybody back they're trying to do cpr on kirk and i'm just standing there you know you've been up countless you haven't been asleep like you're you're seeing stuff in the sky, you know, at that point. But I knew that at that point, Kirk, who I'd been with, who I consider a brother through thick and thin hell and high water, literally in the ocean, he died. I saw men die living in front of me. That's the first time. Now I've been through a lot up to that point with family members, but I never had seen somebody go to that level. And he left two boys behind and his wife. And some people are going to say, well, that's pretty selfish. Well, if you're standing toe-to-toe with a man who's out there to better himself as a man so his family can get better and he can be the tide that lifts the ship, I'm still talking about him. He's not dead. He's immortal. He saved my life and countless other people's lives. He saved my marriage. So I go on a search, and 
I go through just the town here and, and there were just, I'm a very results driven guy. I go to a couple of men's groups. I tell my story again. They didn't like what I had to say. Like this guy's too raw. He's too real. He's too in our face about the things that we all deal with. I don't care who you are. And one group in particular looked at me and said, oh, well, you know, they said, this is a great story. And I didn't need their applause, but then they went right back to their book. Mm-hmm. I was like, so what were you saying that bothered them? Everything on this show, just coming out about masturbation, coming out about uh, the lying, just, just being me. Cheating on your wife. Yeah. You know, just the whole, the whole dynamic of like, you know, this is a little too much for me. Yeah. Like. This guy's trying to out us all type it's, of deal. It's more than just, I need to stop drinking. I need to get Yeah, and it wasn't, you just need to get real. And it wasn't, and that's the thing is like, you, you, you know, I wasn't coming from a bad, like a one step away from what this prison, mm-hmm. right? I had my own that I had built around me, mm-hmm. right? I was just a, an uncommon guy just coming out there to speak to the men and just say, hey guys, just raise your hand. Mm-hmm. And that's how Psalm really got to start because I believe you have to create your own reality. And you already had your gym by now. Yeah, I and did. So you, you said, I can't, I don't fit into this box and I don't fit into this men's group. I'm going to make my own men's group. Yep, and that so, produces results. And so in your, uh, in your book, section two, you start with the book chapters eight through th- 13 with each person's name to tell their story. Why did you, when you talked about creating Psalm uh in chapter two why did you decide or section two why did you decide to start each chapter with a person's name adam who helped you crystallize your dream zach who made me cry i can't remember why now but i remember i cried and then rick i just really hurt for him because it's important that people understand well people love social proof right like we want to know we want to hear other people's stories. Like uh, we, we we want social proof. So for me, it's more it's equally important, if not more important. Like I give you the story on Kirk that all these men have been given a platform. Very successful men. Rick, very very accomplished in the Air Force. Zach, very accomplished in the pharmaceutical industry. Adam, very accomplished in the real estate business. Whatever they do, that's not who they really are. And so that's why it was important to me that these men who were brave enough to put that story out there, get that platform to help other men liberate themselves. And I think Rick was the one that I hurt for was abused by uh, sexually abused by a lot of people, wasn't he? I mean, that's a very hard thing to come out and say in a man's group. You know, um, you said. that there, you, you have a reoccurring theme throughout your program, being accountable. Yep. And that we all wear masks. Mm-hmm. And that being vulnerable, which you didn't think was, I think, is the hardest part for you, is admitting weakness and being vulnerable. And 100%. Even, even crying. 100%. That you wore a mask to cover those things up. 100%. Yeah, and when you, when you put all those together, when you embrace vulnerability, embrace extreme accountability and a system to produce true results that your family's going to benefit from and the world's going to benefit from, you become unstoppable. You become blessed and unstoppable. Mm-hmm. Uh, you're listening to Up In Your Business with me, Carrie McCoy. I'm speaking today with Mr. Cole Rogers, author and founder of The School of Man, a 12-week guide to living, loving, and legacy through hard work, being honest, and helping others. Life, love, and legacy, why that title? It just felt right it does it just felt, you know just to it's it's so easy for us to exist it's harder to live and then we talked about the three hardest words for any man to say i love you but the greatest gift we can give ourselves is to know thyself and then love thyself and to me when i think of love i have to start with coal in order for me to give it to anybody else. And I don't mean in the egotistical, narcissistic way. I'm talking about truly embracing why I was created or why I am created, my scars, my pain, all of it, just the beauty of life and loving that. And then from a legacy, we many of books, thousands of books have been written on, you got to leave a legacy, you got to leave a legacy, you got to leave a legacy. But I'm more about chasing immortality and helping others do the same. And what I mean by that is, 
it's the impact, the wake that you live in the world. You don't have to have millions of in, followers on Instagram or YouTube. Yeah, you know, that, of course, helps you expand your reach, et cetera. But for me, my legacy is for my children, for my grandchildren, for my great-grandchildren, for my great-great-grandchildren, et cetera. And it's based upon one simple ethos that I live by every day. Did I leave the world better than I found it? Mm-hmm. That's just how I live my life. Mm-hmm. And that's honestly how I've always lived my life. But through this journey, this this messy thing called life, it's been fun. And that's why we titled it. I titled it School of Man, A Man's Guide to Living, Loving, and Legacy. And you talk about your ethos. A man is driven by his why. Mm-hmm. A man runs to the sound of adversity. A man commits to taking action. A man does not make excuses. A man chooses integrity as his value of choice. A man vows to renew his one-second contract daily. I'm not sure what that is. A man is a (laughs) servant leader. A man embraces change. A lot of people have a problem with that. And a man embraces legacy. So in this last section of your book, you talk about the really nuts and bolts of seeking those ethos and following those ethos. You have the crucible. The crucible, mm-hmm. a 55 consecutive hours of hell. If you sign up for the school of man, is that what the class is called? The crucible? Well, so it's a part, a part of our process. It's a part of the path. Doesn't mean that specifically you're going to go through the, the 55 hour crucible. If you want to take that path. So as it's a, in addition, it's an option. Yeah, it's an option. So like if that's, so how school of man first started is that, we created we create real brotherhood we don't create the the fake you really do yeah we create real brotherhood that produces real results and we we just have a unique process and curriculum and how we do that and how that first started class one the founding fathers the ogs i'm so grateful for those guys because i put it in front of them and said hey and and none of us it was one of those things after i started and launched some and Adam was the first person I mentored. It was it was kind of interesting how life started presenting these men, you know, as wanting more. Like they they would walk up to me and say, "Hey, man, I don't know what y'all are doing over there by carrying logs down town Little Rock, and <laughs> you know, you're just doing crazy stuff." Tell our listeners that that's one of the things you have to do is yeah. carry a log and down bear crawling for a mile. <laughs> I was about you to know, say the bear crawl to the Capitol is the thing I keep hearing about. Yeah, so yeah. Yeah, there's there's a ton of stuff that we do. And just just humiliate them. Yeah, no, it's the, and it's one of those things. It's like we built the first curriculum 1.0 in 10 months, and I said, guys, we have to do something to put an exclamation park on, point on this. You're going to go through a crucible. And they all looked at me because they had never done anything like it. And I said, we're going to train like warriors in mind, body, and spirit. Truthfully, we're going to talk about the hardest stuff. Even if you're coming out of a place like you're just hitting on all cylinders, cool. Give that energy to another man. Uh, and at the very end of this, you're going to go through a crucible minting your brotherhood. And that's when the first Phoenixes were earned, which were hand drawn by Jeff Powell. And that's how the, 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 the crucible was born. And it's the safest, most impactful event because over 10 months at that time, you get to take, you, you track men across, you know, it's an ultimate life coaching. So now it's one of those things that if a man comes to us and says, hey, I just want to get involved, perfectly fine. You get involved in School of Man University. You get put in a class. Right now, Foxtrot's going on. And it's just to understand our culture. Read the book. Listen to the podcast. Get your battle book. Yeah, get your battle guide. Understand, we need to understand where you need to focus. We want to help you use a rifle, not a shotgun. Yeah. Right? Narrow it down. Narrow it down. Make it very simple on the things that matter most because we're going to better you a man if you come in with a hunger emotion. Right? And then if you want to, to go up and you want to accelerate your growth, then you will take that accelerated path and it goes first phase, second phase, and then third phase. And it's pretty much an 18-month journey to get to the 55-hour oh, crucible. If you really want yeah, to Yeah, so there. we've evolved the whole physical. thing. it's physical. It's very, it's, on the outside, that's the easiest thing for us to show on video. Yeah, because when I click on that on your yeah. website, it's like watching a military training. These guys are yes. going through the water, and I'm, like, motivated. And I want to get my flag out. But what out. no one sees is what happens at night, like the the tears, the bonding. You, you have to use that to get men to a place of vulnerability, and then and at that point— you start inserting yourself from a coaching perspective. That's very military. So you break them down physically till they emotionally. Yeah, and it's they're not foreign to each other either. Meaning, like you've been on this path 
with your teammate, your brother. You earned that term, brother, for, goodness gracious, for over 12 months, close to 18 months. I got gotcha. you. You know, you've already done a 12-hour crucible together. You've already learned all the hard stuff. Lots about of each trust. Other. Lots of trust has already been built. So Isn't now at this there point, even something about a sign a non-disclosure agreement? 100%. You will not. I lead with my vulnerability. I'm not going, it's not my place to tell another man's story unless he's given permission. But if you walk into our organization, no matter where you are, England to South Carolina to, to, to California, Washington, which we have men across the country in, there is no pillow talk. Mm-hmm. There is no conversing what we talk about behind the scenes of Psalm because there's something happening every day in Psalm, Monday through Sunday. There is a conversation happening every day in Psalm. There are us highlighting each other's successes, but also being there when a man might have to, to close his business and lay people off. So these are some of the things that you get if you join with you. The crucible, which is the which we just talked about at the end. The phoenix, Greek mythology bird, which is the experiences of the rebirth. That's like your graduation coin. Yeah, so that's, uh, we, we call it, you finish to begin. You're always finding new starting lines. So once you earn your phoenix, so like... When well, you, you certainly are. You're always starting something new. Yeah. So like even within Psalm, you know, we, when you join Psalm, you get access to school of money, money mindset, you school of man games, Psalm fuel for nutrition, Psalm fellowship, the rescue series, our process is there's nothing else like it. You wrote this self-help book called school of man. Um, why did you decide to do that? Why did you decide? Well, I know you said you like to read, but. About writing the book and authoring the book? Yeah, and then I like this guy you wrote it with, Guy Choate. He wrote, uh, what's the name of the book he wrote, um, the kid's book? Oh, I can't remember off the top of my head. Gas, Gas, Gas. Yeah. So cute. He wrote a kid's book with you, or not with you. but So I wrote he, the manuscript, and I brought, brought brought Guy in to clean it up. because And it became a book. Yeah, and it became a book. And the reason why I wrote the book and how I see some, because I'm a big type of, I'm a visionary kind of guy is that in the halls of Psalm, you're going to have school of man, a man's guide to mental toughness, school of man, a man's guide to to expanding his wealth and his impact. So you're going to have a series of books like Chicken Soup of the Soul, and then you're going to have a series of personalities that have blossomed out of Psalm, like Keith McCormick, John Vigory, Derek Price, uh, Zach Cox. You know, all these guys are getting, we're building platforms for these men to help us expand our impact around the world. There's 3.7 billion men. We've got to get our name out there. But at the end of the day, if it lands in one person's hands and it resonates with that person or that man, and it maybe they've been given the permission to say, my God, I, I need to liberate myself, right? Like I need, I need to, to actually raise my hand. Mm-hmm. That's then our job is done. It says it in that book a million times. Just raise your hand. Just, Just raise, your, raise hand. your hand. I love it. Let's take an, our last break and then we'll come back for a very quick ending. Before we get back to Carrie McCoy's interview with Cole Rogers, she was especially taken when reading his book with some of the quotes he included. Very inspirational. So to our listeners who want to get an idea of what the book's going to be about, these are some quotes that I got out of the book. The lion is only scary if it's chasing you. Turn around and chase the lion. I like this one. Only dead fish go with the flow. Energy vampires, watch out for them vulnerability in front of other men is a strength bore the devil think about that bore the devil and last accountability feeding yourself bs and calling it caviar you're listening to up in your business with me carrie mccoy and i'm speaking today with mr cole rogers founder of the school of man in little rock arkansas a self-help community for men working together for the betterment of their life through a wellness program, both physically and mentally challenging. I love what you said about yourself at the beginning of the book. I was feeding myself BS and calling it caviar. Mm-hmm. You seem to be on a lifelong journey of learning, Cole. To date, which of the things you have learned sticks out in your mind most? I've never been asked this question, so I love it. Smooth is fast. Slow is smooth, smooth is fast. Slow is smooth, smooth Smooth is fast. fast. You can't microwave success. Oh. Trusting the process is honestly a gift in and of itself. We have been tricked into these little casinos we carry on our hands, our (laughs) our iPhones, right? (laughs) That you hit a button 
And I, I say it all the time in Psalm, life isn't Amazon Prime. You don't just hit a button and that result shows up at your doorstep a day or two later. Slowest move, smoothest, fast once you're locked in on your target and it's the right target. And once you trust the process, that makes that ride a hell of a lot better. The sun rises a hell of a lot more beautiful and the sun sets just absolutely blissful. That's what I've learned is that today it would be easy for me to walk away from Psalm and say, you know what? Got what I needed. I'm out. I need it more than ever. You I, never stop needing it. Do no, you? and it, it, Psalm doesn't produce an iPhone. We are the iPhones. We help upgrade men like they upgrade their iPhones or their golf grips. <laughs> but what I've learned is, and just coaching all the men that I've coached from various walks of life, you have to trust the process. You have to trust the process. You've got to take the step on the path, and you have to understand, hey, smooth is fast. Like, you're going to get where you want to go as long as you have a vision of who you are chasing and you're ready to burn that boat and write that letter to that former self. And you truly buy into it and believe in it. And you don't continue to give in to those voices inside your head. That's what I see, you know, as the greatest opportunity out there for people. Lovely. How do you go about applying or getting in touch? Just first and foremost, find, find us on social. At the School of Man is the easiest way to, to start following us and getting involved. Go to schoolofman.live. Take our battle guide challenge. Seven-day challenge. It's a free battle guide. It's a badass journal for men. And it's the first place to get started. And you go where to get that? You can go to the website, schoolofman.live. Okay, there you go. Yeah, schoolofman.live. It's right there. Download it. Yeah, and so we're always offering ways to get involved. I think that's the best and easiest way to do it. And I will always answer an email, cole at schoolofman.live. You can always email me. You can always email our support team. But I I like mentoring and coaching. We have our full ambassador team of SOM. So if you do have more interest in learning more, I, I'll connect you with one of our ambassadors. That fits your story. You know, we, yeah. we, we match guys based upon where they are in their life, right? Mm-hmm. So if I've got, if I got a, a guy that is just dealing with self-sabotage and he's maybe had some addiction issues in the past, we're going to put him with a guy that has been there but has been able to conquer it. Mm-hmm. I have loved learning about you. I have loved reading your book. I was telling um, you at the break we should do our own show together sometime. I think it'd be fun. Let's do it. Uh, but I have a gift for you and Ashley. It's a desk set with a North Carolina flag for oh, Ashley. Oh, my goodness gracious. <laughs> you see that child That over is there? awesome. And Arkansas flag, U.S. flag, because you're patriotic. We and are very, very big patriots in our family. Thank you Thank you, you so much. So, this has been a blessing. Oh, it's I've really enjoyed it. In closing, to our listeners, thank you for spending time with us. We hope you've heard or learned something that's been inspiring and enlightening and that it, whatever it is, will help you up your business, your independence, or your life. I'm Carrie McCoy, and I'll see you next time on Up In Your Business. You've been listening to Up In Your Business with Carrie McCoy. For links to resources you heard discussed on today's show, go to flagandbanner.com, select radio, and choose today's guest. Carrie's goal is simple, to help you live the American dream.